Amen, amen. So, like I said, find your place in Hebrews 4.13. Um, we are going to, as you probably doesn't shock you, continue talking about self-examination this morning, but just again from a different angle, there's, there's a never-ending amount of things that we can look at ourselves about <laughs> and consider about ourselves. Because as believers, we are given a lot of things to abide by. We're given a lot of pointers to say, hey, make sure... Make sure this is what you're doing. Make sure you're you're saying this. Make sure you're make sure you're believing in line with this. And I mean, if if the qualifier there is if you want to live according to what God says, yeah. which you don't have to. God's not forcing you to do it. It's He leaves it up to you. It's always our choice. But if you want to be a tool for the Master and be effective for His use and and propagate His kingdom and the gospel and reach people and Bring more people into the kingdom. That's why we were left here, ultimately, is to affect other people. If that's our goal, then, then we have a choice to make. Am I going to abide by what God says? Am I going to abide by what the Word says or not? And I'm not here to condemn anybody. I've made wrong choices and wrong decisions in the past and continue to make them. And I foresee that I will make more in the future. Uh, just because that's how it is, being the way that we are. Um, we have a nature that we're constantly trying to renew. And in that process, we make mistakes. Now, it should not be expected. A lot, a lot of people live with the idea that, oh, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to sin. That should never be our consideration. We should strive as hard as we can to never sin. We are told to live in the image of Jesus who never sinned. So our goal should be, I don't want to sin. I am trying to never sin. That should be the goal. Also, don't be too hard on yourself when you fail. But the point is, is that that should be what we're striving for. We should never come into a day and say, well, I'm going to blow it today. I mean, that should never be the outlook we have. Um, but plenty of believers and, and people who call themselves Christians say that sort of thing. Well, I'm, I'm, just a, I'm just an old wretch saved by grace. Well, you're not a wretch anymore. God renewed you and saved you and brought you're righteous now. So, so let's pretend, at least, like that's, like that's how we see ourselves um, and live like that. Amen? But today I want to talk about the things that we allow to influence us when we're making decisions. Um, and not, I don't want to specifically talk about motives because that's a whole different discussion. But I want to talk about the things that influence us uh, because there are a lot of them. And we have, just like we have choices whether or not we follow God and, and do what he says and follow after the word, we have choices when it comes to what we give our attention to, who, who or what we allow to have influence over us. We have a lot of, we have all the control over that. So it's one of those things where sometimes when we make decisions, sometimes when we choose a path, we really need to consider why. Why am I choosing that path? Did I, did I get direction from the word of God? Did I hear from God that's putting me down this path? Or did I hear from someone else or something else that's giving me over to this decision? Did I decide that this is just a good idea because I think it'll make me some money? Or did I decide that it's a good idea because I want people to look more favorable on me? Now, those are not necessarily bad things, but those shouldn't be the reason why we're making a decision. Those should not be driving our decision making. But for many, that's exactly what it does, what they do. And so that's what we want to get into this morning. So here in Hebrews 4.13, it says, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, 
But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And I think a lot of believers lose sight of this, that ultimately there's only one person you're going to have to stand in front of and give an account of your actions. And it's not your husband. It's not your wife. It's not your family. It's not your friends. It's not your co-workers or your boss at work. It's none of those things. There's only one of them, one person, one being you're going to have to stand in front of and justify why you did what you did. That is enough to scare me straight. I mean, to, to, to bring that into alignment with the decisions that I make and say, hey, I'm going to have to answer for this. When I sit, come before the throne and he goes, so, why did you choose to do this? What's my answer going to be? Because he's not going to find it acceptable to say, well, my wife said I should do that. As good or as righteous as your wife might be or your husband might be, that is not an acceptable answer. But there are tons of people that that's the way, well, I, my family, my kids need me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I realize that. I have kids of my own. I would give my life for them. But they're not the reason I make decisions. Well, family comes first. Not if, I mean, they can, sure. Yeah, they can. But if you're living according to the Word of God, the Word of God talks about leaving mother, brother, and giving them up for the kingdom. What does that mean? That means they take a back seat. That when it comes to decision making, it's not about them and what they need. It's about what does God need? What does God want? And oftentimes you'll find, surprise, surprise, that the, the, the good outcomes for your kids will be a lot better when you are abiding by what God says and does. Because He can see so much further than we could ever even hope to. And we only see anything in the future because He tells us. But He sees everything. And sometimes we forget that He has our best interest in mind. That's His desire. And he's not going to lead you down a path that's not going, to be, not going to be good for someone else. You understand that, right? That he's not going to lead you down a path where you completely abandon your children to Hades or Sheol or whatever the Bible calls it. That's not, that's not God. He's not going to do that. But sometimes, sometimes, and this is tough for parents, you've got to show tough love. Because... If you've lived with God long enough, if you've walked with God long enough, you understand that He shows tough love to us all the time. Because, frankly, my emotions and my flesh don't like some of the things that He says. Do your kids, if you had kids or, or people that depended on you, did they always like what you had to say? No, they didn't. Same thing with God. But guess what? He knows what we need. He knows what the best, best path forward is. Sure, it might hurt your flesh and your emotions right now, but in the end, it's better for you. And I am by no means saying what the goofy believers think, that he's going to break your arm to teach you something. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your flesh having to suffer some. 
which is quite frankly, between you, me and the wall, a good thing. We're all out here getting a little bit too soft, just a little too soft. A little hardship for our flesh is not a bad thing. A little discomfort is not a bad thing. You just surprise how sharp it makes you when you enter into situations and you're uncomfortable. That was not in my notes. <laughs> we only answer to one person. So are we listening to that person or are we listening to something else? Are we abiding by what, that, what we're going to have to answer that person about or not? Self-examination. I, have to, I, have, I can't look at Pastor Morgan and say, Pastor Morgan, you're blowing it. And that's not my, it's not my, number one, it's not my place. I have no authority over his life to tell him those things. Number two, I have no idea what's going on with him. That's what a lot, yeah. <laughs> that's, 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 that's on the list too. I learned that lesson a long time ago. It's, I don't have the bandwidth to care about everybody else. I love you, but I, I've got enough stuff on my plate. Thank you. <clears throat> but I don't, have, I don't have any authority to direct him. The most important thing we have to consider when we're dealing with other people is I don't know what's going on with that person. Because what's God saying to me does not mean that's what's God saying to them. And believers, well, the word's the word. Yes, but the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you and on the inside of me. And we are responsible to him for what he is talking to you about. Like Pastor Bob has talked about, you know, in his past, having problem with drinking and drugs. I've never, not even once, had a problem with any of that stuff. Drinking is not attractive to me. Drugs are not attractive to me. Smoking is not attractive to me. So I don't ever even have to entertain the thought of having a problem with that because I don't have a problem with that. That doesn't mean everybody doesn't have a problem with it. Which means I could come at somebody who's, who's really dealing with that and be in a place of acting all superior and say, well, brother, I don't understand why you're having such a hard time with that. Well, you didn't have to deal with it. That's why you're not having a hard time with it. And guess what? You've got to deal with stuff that other people don't have to. That they'd look at you and go, what are you having a hard time with that for? Yeah, what's your problem? Easy. We're not all the same person. So when I step into a situation and I point at somebody and say, well, you should, you better be very careful. Because that is not your job. The Holy Spirit is here for that. And he's way better at it than you are. That's why we're supposed to be led. Because he'll lead you in very limited circumstances to talk to other people. Very limited. There are people who they think that this is their ministry. No. No. You don't, there are no Holy Ghost police. He's not passing out badges. You mind your own business, and if he comes across and says, hey, go mention such and such to this person, that's all you need to do. And that's the only thing you need to do. That's a whole other message, too. I don't have time for that. Go to Psalms 119, 105. Psalms 119, 105. 
So are we considering what the person who we're going to have to answer to, are we considering what he has to say? Are we considering what his opinion is? Because really it's an opinion. Because he's not going to force you to do it. So it's his opinion of what you should do. And you have to choose. Am I going to follow that or not? His opinion just so happens to be truth. So there's that. So if you're doing something else, you're not following after truth, which is not a good place to be in. Psalms 119.105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Notice what is the lamp to the feet and the light to the path. The word. Not your best friend's opinion. Not Christian TV's latest, greatest message. Not your favorite pop artist's new song. None of that stuff. Not your favorite classic rock song either, for that matter. None of that stuff. Well, it's got a good message. Not as good as this. Not as, not as good as the Word of God. It can't be, your favorite song can't be a, a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. So what is it I'm going to give weight to? Because there's always going to be someone or something offering advice. Always. No matter what situation you're in, somebody's always going to tell you, well, you know, my friend, most of the time that's where I tune out when I hear people talk to me like that. Well, I knew someone, I don't, I don't really care. I don't say that to them because you don't need to be rude to people. But that's it. That's it. I don't, I don't especially if all you're going to tell me is their opinion and what happened to them, I don't, I don't really care. Because unless they stood on the word of God and believed God and got through, I don't want to hear what your, the thing your best friend bought off TV and did this and did that and called a friend and pulled a lifeline. I don't need to hear any of that stuff. Because that's not the word of God. That's not the light. That's not the lamp. It's not. But there are always those people out there. And there's only one person in our life who's looking to guide us and direct us, whose character is above reproach. There's only one who's never going to lie to you, who's never going to tell you an untruth, who never has ulterior motives that he's not going to share with you. There's only one that's like that. And it's God. He's the only one. All your other friends may, oh, well, they, th they may think they're helping you. They're not. How many of you, I won't ask for a raise of hands, but you all know, you all have gotten advice and followed advice and found out that was bad advice. We all have. Why? Because we trust people. Maybe they did go through this. Maybe, maybe this did work. Maybe it will work. It didn't work. Why? Because it's not the Word. It's not God. He's the one we are to go to in times of trouble. He's the fortress. He's the one under whose wings we hide. Him. But we have to constantly go to ourselves and look and make sure that's actually what we're doing. Because far too often we will start leaning towards things and when you actually look at it, you, you, you wonder, why? Why am I leaning towards this thing? 
This is just some, some tradition my parents passed down to me. Some, some word I heard from a coach when I was in high school. I mean, there's all kinds of things that people, well, man, my, my, my football coach in high school told me this one thing this one time, and it's helped me so much. It's not the word of God. It's not. And that person may have been trying to help you. They may have wanted to. They may like, they may love you, and they may want the best for you. They're not God. They can't see the future. They don't know what's coming. And more importantly, they don't know exactly what you're dealing with. And you don't have to get think all, oh well, I'm special. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> what I'm saying is God knows all the details, the ones you forgot to tell them about. The ones, well, that's not important. I'm not going to tell them about that. Well, that can influence what really needs to happen. And God can get to the root of the problem. I've had God talk to me about things when I go to him and, and ask for direction or ask for wisdom. And he points out things that I didn't know that that was even a problem until he pointed it out. And he goes, you need to fix this. And you look at it and you go, wow. I would have never figured that out. That's why he's God. If you wouldn't have figured it out, guess what that means? Nobody else would have figured it out either. But there are still lots of people who, who do. And they, I mean, and I'm not knocking therapy because God bless it. If you need it, go get help. But they're not God either. <laughs> Adeline, was it Adeline? One of my kids. We did a lot of stuff yesterday. It was a busy day. One, one of them asked me, Daddy, do you have a therapist? <laughs> I was like, if you look at my hair, you might think that I do, but I don't. I don't, no. I don't need, I don't need therapy. And then we, got, we had to get into a whole discussion about that. Some people do. Some people aren't okay. Some people need help. I understand but not, no, I don't. <laughs> the Word of God is my therapy. It's, it's what I go to and I read and I, I look at and I say, oh, this is how I got screwed up. Okay, well, let's go ahead and fix that. That's what the Word of God is there for. And again, that's not a jo- I don't know where people are at. That's why you'll never hear me say, never go to a doctor. Never do this. Never do that. Why? Because... There are way too many different people to make sweeping statements like that. There's way too many people on too many different paths at too many different levels of faith. And by God, if a a therapist is going to save your life and keep you on this earth so you can continue to do God's plan, go to a therapist. That's the long and the short of it. Because there's too many Christians out there that think they're too big for their britches and they're super faith man and they end up getting taken out because they wouldn't go see a doctor. Go see a doctor if you need to go see a doctor. Take drugs if you need to. Whatever you need to do, Pastor Bob's talked about the boat before, whatever you need to do to make sure you can continue your walk, you do it until you don't need to do it anymore. Because that's the goal. The goal is, I'm not going to use this thing as a crutch. I'm going to use it until I don't need to use it anymore. Because that's always the goal. I should not have to use this thing, and I'm going to get to the place where I don't have to. That's the goal. Because the only thing God wants us dependent on is Him. That's it. 
He don't want you dependent on pills or drugs or doctors or anything else. But that doesn't mean you don't ever use them. Because I tell you this, the devil didn't invent doctors. He's not interested in keeping people alive. So you know God had a hand in it and still does. Go to 1 Kings 13. 1 Kings 13, we're going to read verses 8 to 24. So if there's only one person who's looking to direct and guide us, whose character is above reproach, and who has our absolute best interest at heart, if there's only one, if we choose to go with anything else, then we are by definition choosing the suboptimal route. Because God's route is the best, period. Which means if I choose to go another way, it is by definition not the best. It's not the best if I choose something else. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and say that I haven't done that many a time, because I have. And I suspect I continue to, I will continue to at some points moving forward in the future. Because again, Sometimes we step into things just simply not knowing. Simply not knowing what we don't know. It's called ignorance. And until you go to God and you continue to learn from Him, you didn't even know you messed up, and you're already in it. Well, guess what, ha- guess what happens when you do figure it out? Got to fix it. You can't leave it like that. But God's way is the best way. 1 Kings 13, verse, starting in verses 8. We're going to start in verse 8, and then we're going to go to verse 24. But the man of God said to the king, If you were to give me half of your house, I would not go in it with you, nor would I eat bread nor drink water in this place. Now, a little bit of backstory. This is during the time of the prophets, and uh, this particular king is going to places he shouldn't be going to, going to false gods and sacrificing things on, on altars that he shouldn't be and doing these kinds of things. And the man, a new man, a young man of God, supposedly in this book, he, he came um, to the king and, and had some words. And the king was, let's say, not pleased. For so it was commanded to me by the word of the Lord, saying, you shall not eat bread nor drink water nor return by the same way you came. Now remember that as we read on. That's very important. So he went another way and did not return by the way he came out to Bethel. Now an old prophet dwelt in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel, and they also told their father the words which he had spoken to the king. And the father said to them, Which way did he go? For his sons had seen which way the man of God went, who came from Judah. From Judah. And then he said to his son, saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him, and he rode on it. And went after the man of God, and found him sitting under an oak. And then he said to him, are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said to him, come home with me and eat, and, and eat bread. Now, let's, you can go to the next verse, but we're going to stay right there for a second. So what does the, new, the young man of God, the new man of God, so to speak, what does he know? God said, don't eat, don't drink, and don't come by, go home the same way you came. That's what he knows. He said it to the king. The Lord told me this. 
Now he's got someone coming to him and saying, come on home with me and eat and drink. And here he says it. And he said, I cannot return with you nor go in with you. Neither can I eat bread nor drink water with you in this place. Look at this, verse 17. For I have been told by the word of the Lord, you shall not eat bread nor drink water there nor return by going the way you came. So he's pretty clear about what he's supposed to be doing. And this is the old man speaking, the old prophet. And he said to him, I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord saying, bring him back with you to your house that he may eat bread and drink water. <laughs> and the, 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 transla- the people who wrote the book told us he was lying to him. Yeah, yeah, we probably would have picked up on that, but sure, yep. So the young prophet went back with the old prophet and ate bread in his house and drank water. Now it happened, as they sat at the table, the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back, the old prophet. And he cried out to the new man of God who came from Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord, Because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you, but you came back and ate bread and drank water in the place of which the Lord said not to do that, your corpse shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. So it was after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk that he saddled his donkey for him and the prophet whom he had brought back. And when he was gone, a lion met him on the road and killed him. And his corpse was thrown on the road and the donkey stood by it and a lion also stood by it. As a testament, not to screw up. That's why the lion sat there and the donkey sat there. The lion didn't eat the corpse. The lion didn't eat the donkey. They just both sat by the body. If we came across that, National Geographic would tell you, I have never seen anything like this before. Why? Because it's a testament. It's a marker saying this guy messed up. And thank the Lord, that's not the punishment we usually receive nowadays for messing up. (laughs) because there wouldn't be many of us left. (laughs) But back then, it was a little bit heavier, especially for the prophets. They had to make sure they were doing what God said. And the point, I think you all get the moral of the story is, but people are not always going to tell you the truth. People have ulterior motives. People have reasons for doing things that you're frankly not privy to. And they're not going to tell you about because they may not even like you. That guy didn't know. Those two prophets did not know each other at all, except for they were prophets. They had a job title in common. Oh, (laughs) you're a public speaker? I'm a public speaker. How about that? What are the chances? But that prophet used the fact that he was an old prophet of God. Well, I too hear from the Lord. And wouldn't you know it, the Lord told me that you're A-OK. That's still in existence today. Unfortunately, those people are still around. The descendants of that prop nod. <laughs> those people are still around that do things like that. And who knows 
We don't need to get into their motivations for why they do what they do. But the fact of the matter is, is it's very easy to be led astray by people because people don't know what's going on. Or people are purposefully trying to hinder you. Anybody who's worked anywhere, in the, anywhere along the corporate ladder knows people will use you as a rung to climb up the corporate ladder. They don't care about people. The unsaved people do not care about other people. The only people they care about is my people, me people. That's it. But there are plenty of believers that follow directions from people like that. Why? Why would you listen to someone who you don't know? Let alone who isn't God. That's a whole separate discussion. But you don't even know them. Why, Why give them the time of day, as the saying goes? Now, you don't have to be rude to people. But there's nothing, there's nothing selfish to, in saying, I don't care what you have to say. You don't have to say that to somebody's face. But internally, that should be what we're considering when people talk to us. It doesn't matter what you say. Because I don't answer to you. You think I should do this. I don't care what you think I should do. Because I don't answer to you. And a lot of, well, oh, you don't have to be so rude about it. No, no, no. You misunderstand. This is a serious thing. Just because somebody tells you something does not mean you need to give them any, any kind of weight at all. Because you don't answer to that person. As a believer, you don't answer to any person. There's only one being you answer to, and that's God. So if you don't have this person somewhere along the line of spiritual authority in your life, you should take everything they say with a giant bag of salt. Because it's not, you have to consider, I don't answer to this person. So if their feelings get hurt, and this happens all the time, their feelings get hurt because I don't listen to what they have to say, that's not my problem. Our job as believers is not to not offend people. That's not my job. My job is to not walk around on eggshells so Debbie doesn't get offended. That's not my job, and I'm not worried about Debbie getting offended. But you get my meaning. That's, I, can't, I, I can't perform my job as a Christian in view of God and have that as a secondary goal. It's not going to coincide. Not in today's day and age. We have too many absolute views as Christians for us to be an acceptable person in current society. When you say there is right, there is wrong, there is no gray, you are automatically on a lot of people's not, not nice list. We'll put it that way. Because to a lot of people, everything's gray. Oh, it's all a matter of how you... No, it's not. No, it is not. Not even close. <laughs> not even remotely close. Because what should that prophet have told the old prophet? Sorry, I'm not going anywhere with you. You want to chit-chat with me here under this tree where I'm sitting for the next five minutes? Let's chit-chat. But I'm getting on my horse, my donkey, and I'm heading out. Well, an angel. I don't care. 
I heard from God. I know what God told me. I'm leaving. Bye. And he would be alive. And he would, well, I mean, he wouldn't be anymore, but he would have been alive then and he would have been buried with his fathers and, and he would have continued to do the work of the Lord. But instead he decided, oh, well, you know, by golly gee, he said he's a prophet. Let's go. And it's not that you have to walk around and just look at everybody and go, I know you're a liar. You're a no good, dirty rat. I mean, you don't have to look at everybody like that. Just understand that when people tell you things and give you <clears throat> advice, that, and it may not be by any malice at all, it's just probably bad advice. Because they don't, they don't know. How can they? How can they know? That's why I always laugh at people when it comes to diet, losing weight. Oh, you should just do this thing that I did. Do I look like you? No, I don't look like you. Do you even know what my life consists of? No, you don't. So you don't even know if that would work. So why would you tell me to do that? It's, It's just amusing. But, I mean, because they're trying to help. They just don't know any better. And we have to understand that. that that's, the, that's where many people are at. Like I said, you don't got to be mean about it. You don't have to be rude to people. Just say, oh, okay, thank you. And throw it in the, throw it in the bin. <laughs> throw it in the bin where you put all the other, the other stuff that you've got to deal with in your mind. Just toss it right in that bin and move along. Because God will tell you. You understand that? If you go to God and say, God, I need to lose some weight. He'll tell you how to do it. And he'll tell you the best way to do it for you. And you won't have to go watch 50 YouTube videos and go to some seminar and you won't have to do all that stuff. He'll tell you. I'll give you a hint, though. Calories in, calories out. That's my hint. Calories in, calories out. Anyway, moving along. You can find your place in Proverbs. Man, I, holy cow. Look at the clock. Proverbs 1, verse 10. You know, uh, we, we have to continue to keep in the front of our mind when we, when we hear what others have to say that their motivations, like I said, may not be full of malice, but they also might be. They might have their own ulterior stuff. I know that I've done things in my past that were done. I told people to do things for completely selfish reasons. I wanted something from them, and so I guided them down a path where they would be more dependent on me in the future. Because I wanted to. I am not a person that is singular in that regard. There are lots of people who, and this was not recently, just so you know. This was, this was many, many, actually more than one decade ago. So it's been a long time. Um, but yeah, it's, it, that's not an uncommon thing. Selfishness is unfortunately not uncommon. And that's why God directs us that we are to go to him and make him because God's God is selfish. He's interested in his will. But guess what? That also coincides with the best possible life for you. And it's best. It's very excellent to understand that. Proverbs one, verse 10, we're going to read to verse 19. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. 
Do not consent. What? You mean I don't have to listen to what people have to say? What a novel idea. If they, come and, if they say, come with us, let us wa- lie in wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all kinds of precious possessions and shall fill our house with the spoil. Hmm. Cast in your lot among us and let us all have one purse. My son, see, even, even that should give you, whoa, 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 whoa. There is no honor among thieves. Let us all have one purse. So two weeks from now, we're going to gut you and leave you in an alley, and then your purse will be our purse. Thanks, bye. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path. Now notice it didn't say pray to God that God will keep your foot from their path. No, it said you keep your foot from their path. For their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. But they lie in wait for their own blood. They lurk secretly for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its owners. I mean, Proverbs is filled with stuff like this. The company you keep, the people you listen to, be aware of their motives, of what they're looking to do, and you should not be looking to deplete others for your own gain, and lots and lots of repeat themes throughout the book of Proverbs. What does that mean? There's only one person you should be looking to for all these things, and it's God. He is the one we look to for our guidance, for our leadership, for what it is we are to do. And we are the ones that need to look at ourselves and determine, am I doing this or am I allowing something else to have sway over me in what, my deci- what decisions I'm making, what paths I'm going down. And it can be as much as our own desires driving us to do certain things. That I want to, I want to progress in my job so I am going to do X, Y, Z. That's not, that shouldn't be my focus. My focus should not be promotion at my job. Why is that my focus? That job is temporal, it's going away, it's So why is that my focus? If I focus on God and what he wants me to do, he'll get me there in a way more expeditious path than I could have. Or, better yet, he might haunt me someplace I haven't even thought of and put me in a way better position. But that's all if I'm willing to push down those things that sit on my shoulders and, well, you should do this, well, you should do that, well, you should do this, that we constantly deal with. If one of those voices isn't the Word of God, then we need to make some adjustments. Amen? Because that's who we're going to answer to. This is his book. This is his set of directions on what it is and how it is we're supposed to be operating. Because oftentimes, one of the big things that drives us is conformity. I don't want to be different. I don't want to be on the outside. I don't want to have people look at me as strange, as abnormal. I don't want this. I don't want that. And that starts from when you're a kid. And people, oh, well, you don't have to deal with peer pressure when you're older. Fooey on Yui, because you absolutely do. It's just not as, you don't have your buddy coming up and, Hitting you in the thing. Hey, I've got some cigarettes. Let's go out back and smoke. It's not that anymore. 
Now it's the consideration, well, if I don't do this, my friend's going to look at me this way and think this and that, and so I'm going to do this. Well, what is that? Peer pressure? It's just not out and out peer pressure. It's you considering the opinion of this person and having that drive your decision making. Well, that person that you're considering the opinion of isn't God. You're making a mistake. And it's one of those things that we have to examine because sometimes our mind's like boom, 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 boom. And we're already moving and you've got to go stop and go, whoa, 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 pump the brakes. Why am I doing this? Why? I can't answer that question for you because I don't know what the problem is. But oftentimes it's because we believe or we've listened to something that we shouldn't have somewhere along the line. And the thing is, is that that attitude of I don't want to be an outlier flies directly in the face of what God has actually called us to do, which is to be an outlier, to be separate, to be different, to be set apart. Well, guess what that means? All of those things mean outsider. I'm afraid to tell you, this is probably going to come as bad news, but if you don't want to be an outsider, you picked the wrong belief structure. Because as a Christian, you are going to be an outsider. Because what we believe, how we believe, and the way that we live goes perpendicular to the way the world thinks. They don't travel in the same direction at all. Not just, oh, well, kind of, no. Not even close. So if you're going to live the way that God wants you to live, you've got to become comfortable with being pointed at and saying, you're so weird. <clears throat> We're called peculiar in the Bible. You know that, right? Just doesn't mean, <laughs> doesn't mean weird. But you get what I'm saying. I write this down because I don't have time to go here and read this. Numbers 14, 6 through 10. It's the brief, you all are probably familiar with it. It's the story of Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb were two of the 12 spies that went into the promised land, directed by Moses, which, just side note, I don't remember who I heard this from. I think it was Brother Terry. And I'd never never even thought of it until he said it. But Moses said, go spy out the land to see if it is good. God already told you it's good. Why are you sending spies to find out if God's telling you the truth or not? I had never thought of it like that before, and I've read that story I can't tell you how many times. Send spies into the land to find out if it's good. You just said you don't trust God. Okay, sure. That's tough, man. Oof, that was so good when I heard him say that. But anyway, they, two out of the 12, they're the only two out of the 12 that come back and say, guys, we can do this. And the people of Israel give no weight to their words at all. You want to talk about being the outsiders. They are two men. The entire generation of adult people at that time passed away without entering the promised land, except for them. And according to Jewish records, 600,000 people were in that generation. Two out of 600,000. You want to talk about being the outsider. They were the only two of 600,000 that said yes to God. The only two. Even Moses and Aaron didn't make it. The only two were those two. Why? Because they said, I don't care what you guys have to say. I think... 
We can do it, and we should do it, and we should go now. Amen. And what did God do? He honored them. He said, you guys are the only ones that are going to make it in. And that's the kind of life that he's called every believer to. That that is the kind of, that's the kind of attitude and mindset God wants all of us to have. That if 599,000 and whatever people come and say, you don't know what you're talking about, you can stand there and say, God said this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. Why does he need that? Because he needs people that can stand up in the face of pressure and say, no, I'm going to do what God says. Can you imagine? We can't. Can you imagine how loud almost 600,000 voices are? Shouting in opposition to you, telling you that you're wrong. And at the, at the end of the story, after, after Joshua and Caleb said their piece and said, guys, we, it's a piece of cake. God's with us. We need to go. They wanted to kill him. You ever had 599,000 some odd people want to kill you? I haven't. Sure, there's a, a more than a little bit of pressure that goes along with that, especially when you've got to live with all of them. It's not like they were, you know, it's not like they were living in the USA. They were all in the same camp. And you got 599,000 people that want to kill you. That's a little bit of pressure. Little bit of pressure. All you got to do is say, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, no, we can't do that. No, we can't do it. All you had to do was do that. They'd have been fine with you. But you'd have been dead. And again, it's not to say that that's the kind of, you know, that's not the kind of situations we find ourselves in all the time. But that's the kind of stance we need to take as believers. Amen. Amen. We need to be able to stand up in the face and say, no, I'm going to, I appreciate what you have to say, but I'm going to do what God says. Because number one, he's the one I have to answer to. And number two, his plan is the best plan. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you've given us this light and this lamp, Father, that we can follow after your word and we can believe what you say. We can trust what you say, Father, because you are a good, good Father. And we look to you. We honor you, Father. And we will do what you say. Help us, Father. Help us find those things that are in our lives, that, that have some kind of control that aren't of you, that aren't of your word, that where we've made tradition, some belief, some choice that's not of your word, Father, help us find those things. Help us root them out. Because we want to live according to your word. We want to live for you. We want to live in your will, Father. And one of, one of the things you've outlined in your word is, is the system by which we can give into your kingdom and receive back. That we can create a cycle where we can grow in prosperity financially, not just for its own sake, Father, but to become a bigger tool for the kingdom. To have more resources to bear on good works, Father, your works. So this morning we bring our giving to you with a glad, glad heart that we can bring the money into the kingdom, and that you've made a way by which we can receive back more and more and more besides that we can continue your work on this earth. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.